I know the past few days have been really hard to watch. I know this show has been really difficult to watch and to listen to. And so I want to take a moment to explain why I'm showing you all this video and playing all the audio and showing you all the pictures of the atrocities that the terrorist group Hamas has taken and released. Why I'm showing you the abduction of raped women and the kidnapping of families and the murder and burning of children. So there's a reason I'm doing this because there is an intellectual self-centeredness that predominates among a lot of us in the West. We think everybody thinks like us. So we see somebody do something truly evil and we think to ourselves, well, that is terrible. But the only reason I would do something like that is if something truly awful happened to me. After all, people are generally reasonable, generally peaceable, generally decent. Everyone I know is. So what awful circumstance could force someone into such terrible, evil behavior? We think, well, if only someone had just made a few concessions, dismantled a few settlements, offered a little more land. After all, we all want the same thing, right? Well, no, no, we don't. That is the point. We can all tell ourselves these comforting little lies before you see the pictures of what true evil does, but you can't tell those lies to yourself after you see the pictures, after you see the videos, after you listen to the audio, because here's the thing, nothing anyone has ever done to you or could ever do to you would cause you to do these things. No territorial dispute would cause you to butcher babies. No squabble over territory would cause you to rape and abduct women. No so-called occupation would cause you to kidnap entire families or burn them alive in their homes. The only type of person who would do something like that is a person who isn't like you. A person who thinks differently than you do. A person who does not value life or children or decency the same way that you do. A person who might proclaim, for example, that they love death like you love life. Is Hamas leader Mohammed Deef. Today, you Israelis are fighting those who love death for Allah like you love life. And who compete among themselves for martyrdom like you flee from death. A person who might say we love martyrdom. Hamas leader Ismail Haniyeh. We love death like our enemies love life. We love martyrdom, the way in which Hamas leaders died. The kind of person who might call for killing their own children to wipe out the Jews. As Hamas spokesperson from the Al-Sawarqa tribe in Gaza, the Palestinian people shall never relinquish the right of return. The Palestinian people shall liberate its land with blood, with martyrs, with women, with children. We shall return as liberators with our heads held high and carrying the banner of there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. See, contrary to the peculiar narcissism of many Westerners, there are lots of people around the world who don't think like we do who don't actually care about their children the way we do, which is why they hide rocket launchers behind their own kids, who will willingly murder Jewish babies just because they are Jewish babies, who have been indoctrinated cult-like since youth in a system of cancerous hatred so strong they're willing to commit the worst atrocities since the Nazis and then post them online and celebrate them. Hamas is not like you. Those who celebrate Hamas are not like you. And here's the thing, they exploit that fact. They murder your children and they hide behind their own. They rely on your cultural narcissism to make you believe the death of the kids they are hiding behind is somehow your fault. You see, if they care about their kids the way you do, it must be your fault when their children die in airstrikes they provoke while hiding behind their own children. 
They expect you to care more about their kids than they do themselves. But what's more important, they expect you to believe that they care about their own children when they manifestly care more about other things, about destroying the state of Israel, about murdering every Jew in their bed. They cannot be reasoned with and they cannot be negotiated with. Now, listen, all of this is awkward for those who believe in a supposed universal human liberalism in which we all seek the same thing. We all seek freedom. We all seek a decent way of life. Here's the thing. Not all human beings think the same way. We don't. I know this is hard to believe about any human beings, but it happens to be true even if it is a seriously hideous truth, perhaps the most hideous truth. Hamas does not think like you. We do not all seek the same thing. We do not share the same values. Now, you know how I know we don't? Not just because Hamas says it and proclaims it, because of what they do and then what they broadcast and celebrate doing. The Nazis at least tried to hide their genocide. Hamas cheers it. They hand out candies to children to celebrate the murder of babies and the rape of women. I've seen the pictures and I've seen the videos and I've watched the tapes, the tapes they release, the tapes they celebrate. You've seen them too on this show. The myth that everyone is a Westerner underneath has to end or the West is going to end because narcissism is the preserve of the safe and the fat and the happy. But reality comes with shocking and brutal violence unless we wake up. And the only thing that wakes us up, the only thing is looking the ugly reality of evil directly in its evil face. And that's why I'm showing you this ugly reality, that hideous reality. I don't want to do it, but we have to do it because we have to wake up because if we don't, the West, we will sleepwalk our way right into our own extermination. So I'm going to show you more stuff today that's going to shake up your sleep. I'm going to show you more stuff today that's going to remind you of the people that the West faces down, the people that Israelis are facing down right now in the Gaza Strip. I'm going to show you more of what they do, what they say, what they celebrate. I'm going to show you more of that because this peculiar pseudo-sophisticated idea about foreign policy. Well, it's all just about negotiations that you can negotiate your way into magic with people who wish to murder you and your children. That is not just foolishness. It's it's dangerous foolishness, truly dangerous foolishness. So I've been combing through all of the video and audio. It is flowing out at an extraordinary rate from Hamas videos posted on various websites from people on the ground, first responders who are taking pictures of what's happening. These are pictures of the entrance to Kibbutz Be'eri. That is one of the sites where over 100 Jews were found murdered. Uh, these are civilians who are attempting to drive out of Kibbutz Be'eri. Hamas stopped them and then burned them alive. Um, I mean, these are Holocaust-level images. There's just, that, that's what it is. These are pictures of Kfar Aza. Kfar Aza is the site of, um, as I'm sure many people have heard by now, apparently 40 babies were murdered there and some were beheaded, according to media sources. Kfar Aza is also where the Haddad family was burned alive. You can see in these pictures that the house is burned down. They set the house on fire and then you had two choices to stay in the house and be burned alive or to run out and be shot on site by Hamas terrorists. And so they found grenades, found burning wreckage. And uh, you can see in those pictures, uh, the charred skeleton. You can see another charred skeleton outside of a truck. You can see the, the burned bodies of um, of Jews murdered by murdered by the Hamas terrorists. You can see people burned alive. I mean, this is this is a picture of a child's blood-soaked bed in another kibbutz, Kerem Shalom. That is a child's bed. That's the size of the bed 
of my of my three year old. And that is a blood soaked bed. I'm seeing morons on Twitter saying, oh, staged, staged. Conspiracy theories. Where did the kids go then? Where are they? Where are the women? Where are the elderly? Did they just magically disappear? What happened to them? Why is there blood on this bed? Is that grape juice? The unbelievable willingness of people to believe nearly anything continues to inspire awe. The, uh, again, there's video that has now emerged of um, people in one of these villages uh, who are uh, coming through the village after after dark. You know, they're, they're, they're coming after dark after all of this has ended and finding the burned bodies of their friends. This is uh, unwatchable. So again, all of our shows the last few days are shows that are not appropriate for anyone who's not an adult. They're not appropriate for adults either, but there's something adults need to watch. This is uh, Israelis stumbling on the front. We've blurred out the genitals of this particular young woman. Uh, she's obviously been murdered. She's been burned. I mean, this, this is the kind of stuff. She, she was just in a village. That's all. She was, she was just living. And, that's, and that's, that's, that's what we are seeing here. You can hear her friends crying out in Hebrew. You can see baby seats, baby seats covered in blood. Baby seats covered in blood. They came to murder everyone. Children, these are these are your child's car seats. These are my child's car seats, my children's car seats. You can see they're they're covered in uh, in blood. Is that all mythical? What would what would cause you to do something like that to to murder a baby? Is there anything that could cause you to murder a baby? If your answer is no, that's because you think like a Westerner. It's because you think like a decent person. But there are people who don't think like that. There are people who believe that they have done the world a service by murdering Jewish babies. There, there's no shame for these folks. It's not as though they are, um, it's not as though they're hiding the fact. Again, they took a lot of these videos themselves. People were burned alive. There are trucks with bodies in them of people burned alive. You can see the charred remains here. Some of it's been blurred out. Yosef Haddad, by the way, who's the source of some of this material, uh, is an Israeli Arab who, who's been covering some of this from Israel. According to Bild, which is the German newspaper, one of the terrorists had a two-year-old child with him, beat him and threw him on the porch. The child cried, I want my daddy. The boy tried to run away. I was afraid that they would shoot him and to prevent him from running away. I spoke to the child, come stay with us, I said. This is according to one witness. Other kibbutz residents were brought to the site by the terrorists, including an eight-year-old child and a wounded mother. She had a gunshot wound in her stomach. She was having trouble breathing. Her hand was swollen. She said she was shot. She told me her husband had been shot and her baby was dead. And I asked her, are you sure the baby is dead? She said, yes, they shot him in the head. This is, um, is what they do. CNN has confirmed the atrocities in Kfar Aza. Again, a lot of pathetic rumor mongering around yesterday because Israel ushered in the foreign press into some of these areas so that they could see the site before, they were, before it was cleared so people can see the atrocities that had taken place. And multiple members of the press confirmed 40 babies dead in this, in this village. And that's not a particular shock because Israel's an incredibly young country with a lot of children. Israel values its children like no country on earth, truly. The secular people in Israel have three kids apiece. Uh, it is it is the only country in the West I've discussed many times uh, that actually has an above replacement rate demography. People love kids in in Israel; uh, they butcher them if they're if they are members of Hamas. And um, and it was confirmed by multiple news sources: forty babies dead, some beheaded. Uh, here is CNN. What I saw: uh, hundreds of terrorists with full arm, full gear, 
with all the equipment and all the ability, make a massacre, go from apartment to apartment, from room to room, and kill babies. This is Major mother, General Itaivera from the Israeli military. You were telling me some of them, when you went in, their hands were tied some together. Some of them locked themselves in the protection rooms from the bone, their house, and people run out with their children, and they kill them. They kill babies in the front of their parents, and then kill the parents. They kill parents, and we found babies between the dogs and the... And the uh, family that killed before him, he cut head of the people. I mean, just um, absolute atrocities, obviously. The um, What's amazing to watch is also the parsing online. I'm loving the parsing online. Well, they didn't behead 40 babies. They maybe just have beheaded some babies. Well, clearly, then these are, these are people who think just like you, and, and negotiations should take place, and probably a ceasefire should be declared, obviously. Um, we have videos that have emerged of families being held captive. We now know that in this particular video, the daughters are missing. Pictures of them have been found in Gaza. This is the family being held captive. This is video that was put out by Hamas. They're saying we are in Nachal Oz. It's a Facebook live stream. The Hamas group is here. You can see the terrorists in the background. This is a, a father and a mother, and they have two very young daughters here. We are here with the girls. They have a son as well. Terrified, helpless, and injured. That's what they're saying. By the end of this video, they're forcing the son, who uh, appears to be a mid, mid-teenager, to go to other houses in the area and try and uh, and try and force people out of their homes, try to drop people out of their homes so Hamas can kill them. They're doing it at gunpoint, obviously. Again, this is Hamas-produced video. This is not Israeli-produced video. This is Hamas-produced video. The girls are still missing at this point. Again, at gunpoint, they're forcing this boy to draw other people out. The streaming stopped at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, those, those kids, there are pictures of them that have now emerged from Gaza, apparently. What is happening to the people in Gaza? Well, we know that they're missing children. Not six, six-month-old babies, nine-month-old babies. There's a compendium of pictures of the small children who have been stolen and taken to the Gaza Strip by Hamas monsters. And uh, what's happening to them? Well, we now have video that has emerged of one of the Hamas terrorists who was captured alive being interrogated by Israeli authorities uh, and admitting what it is that they are, are doing to these women and children who they, are, who, they are, who they are taking back to the Gaza Strip. Here is a video of that interrogation. I'm going to read you the translation. Says, what did they want to do with them? And the terrorist says to have their way with them. He says, what does that mean, have your way with them? He says, I don't want to talk. And they say, talk. And he says, what do they want to do with them? Dirty them, to rape them. And then they said, about the, what about the kids? He said, to rape them. That is what, uh, that is what Hamas does. They said, to dirty them, of course, to sully them. That's, that's the idea. Now, there are a lot of people out there who uh, are then calling for for some sort of sympathy for what's going on in Gaza. Now, we can all be sympathetic to the civilians who are stuck in Gaza, obviously. We should also remember that the only people who seem to give any 
at all about Palestinian life in Gaza in this conflict are the Israeli troops. Those are the only people who seem to be perturbed at all about the civilian casualties. In fact, Palestinian civilians have told NBC that Israel is telling them to evacuate. In terms of how Israel goes about reducing civilian casualties, they say that they use very precise intelligence before they strike any specific location. I've been inside Gaza when Israel has been bombing and you meet Palestinians who say that their phone rang and on the other end of the line was an Israeli military officer telling them in Arabic, we're going to strike your apartment building because there is Hamas infrastructure in it, but we want you to go door by door first and make sure that there's nobody inside the building before we strike. And by the way, this has been substantiated on every score. Israel was putting out publicly media yesterday in Arabic telling civilians where to evacuate from and where to evacuate to. Here is some of that. I'm going to translate it for the translation has been provided by an Arabic speaker. There's an Israeli soldier speaking in Arabic. The operations of terrorist organizations force the IDF to act against them in your place of residence. May peace be upon you. Residents of the Shirk area, all Shuaia neighborhood specifically, please go to the shelter or to the center of Gaza City. And then there's a map showing where you need to evacuate from and where you need to evacuate to. We are talking about these instructions for your purpose, protection and assistance in distinguishing between terrorist organizations and citizens. Citizens, in order to help us in this, you must follow our preparations. That is Israel literally providing maps to the civilians on the other side of the border. An IDF commander yesterday went on TV explaining how they are working to minimize civilian casualties. Here he was, uh, here he was yesterday. What we have been doing from the air over the last hours and actually an entire day is striking Hamas targets with great power and severity. We have been striking all of the different targets, the military targets belonging to Hamas. Now, you may have seen footage on TV or on social media, and you may see a building standing and then flashes and then the building collapses. And you say to yourself, well, that looks very much like a civilian building. What I want to tell you is that no, that isn't a civilian building. It is a legitimate military target. And why is that? Because Hamas, uses all, locates all of their offices, headquarters, their research and development, and all of their other military assets, if it's above ground, they locate themselves in civilian buildings. And Hamas being the cowards that they are, they never put signs on their building saying, welcome to the Hamas headquarters for uh, planning terrorist activity in Israel or welcome to the Research and Development Center for drones and projectiles. You will never see that because Hamas wants to disguise itself as civilians and they use civilian buildings for military purposes, which makes it a legitimate military target. And those are the targets that we are striking with tremendous force over the last days. And that, those are the images that you're seeing coming out of Gaza. So Israel is attempting to minimize the civilian casualties on the Hamas side, on the Hamas side of the line. What is Hamas doing? They're literally telling their own people not to evacuate. They're telling the citizens that they are, remember, they are the legitimate government of Gaza. They are the legitimate government. They were elected in 2006. They enjoy broad popular support inside the Gaza Strip. A poll from June 15th, 2021 found that three quarters, 
Three quarters of Palestinians viewed the Islamic militants as victors in the last battle against Israel. A scientific poll by the Palestinian Center for Sur Policy and Survey Research found 53% of all Palestinians believed Hamas was the most deserving of representing and leading the Palestinian people. 53%. That was in 2021. Okay, so Israel is trying to save the civilians. And meanwhile, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas have put out audio telling people not to leave. There's a message in Arabic, and here's what it says. Quote, we will renew the call to the citizens not to deal with the recorded voice messages that the occupation randomly sends through the citizens' phones asking them to leave their home, which aims to, pause panic, to cause panic and fear as part of the psychological warfare accompanying the occupation's aggression against our people. In other words, stay and be murdered for the cameras. Stay and be killed for the cameras. That's what we want you to do. Murdered by us because we are telling you to stay. There is a reason. There is a reason they put their, their headquarters underneath a hospital. There is a reason that they locate their armaments in a university. There is a reason they use schools in order to shield terror activity. This is what they do. Because again, they are playing on your sense of cultural narcissism. You wouldn't do that. So why would we accuse them of doing that? Because they do. They know what you're thinking. They know how you think, but you don't know how they think. That's why we show the atrocities. Again, it's not even like they're hiding the ball. You have to be willfully blind at this point or anti-Semitic or just Jew hating and you don't care about the truth in order to not see what's going on here. Here's a flashback. This is a couple of years ago. This is tape of the IDF telling a Hamas person to get people out of a building. There's an IDF phone call to Gaza to evacuate a building with civilians before bombing. This is just a couple of years ago. And here's how the conversation went. I can't get all the people out. I need at least two hours to get them out. And the Israeli says, listen, we're going to bomb the building. You want to bomb? Bomb whatever you want. He says, no, brother, we need to do everything we can so you don't die. He says, we want to die. And the Jew says, but you have a responsibility for children's lives. And the Hamas operative says, if the children need to die, then they'll die. And the Jew says, God forbid, God forbid. What do you want to die? He says, this is how we reveal your cruelty. The way we reveal your cruelty is we refuse to move our children from bombing sites after hiding munitions in the sites. Do those, are those people who, uh, who think like you? So again, so much of the West is built around this presupposition that you can negotiate magically, you can diplomacy your way out of a clash of civilizations, which is what this really is. This is a tip of point of spear for a serious clash of civilizations. And, um, and so you can see it just written in how the media covered this sort of stuff. Because if there's one group of people on planet Earth who are culturally narcissistic, it is members of the, the legacy media in the West. They truly believe everybody thinks like them. They think that on everything from pronouns to taxes. And they certainly think that when it comes to international conflict. We'll get to more on that in just one second. I haven't been reading ads during the show, but there's one organization that advertises with the show that totally deserves your support. That, of course, is the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. They're on the ground right now. They're providing critical essentials like food, medicine, and other emergency supplies for vulnerable Jews who need immediate help. Obviously, the need is massive. I'm getting calls every day from people asking how they can help. This is one way you can help to donate. Please go to ifcj.org. Give as generously as you can. Write it down. That's ifcj.org. And all the donations are going right now to critical essentials like food and medicine and other emergency supplies in preparation for more conflict. To donate, go to ifcj.org. And so the pseudo-sophisticates in the West refuse to see the truth or they simply don't want to, be, to see the truth. 
So some honestly, some of this is just astonishing. So the um the level of support that is that that is enjoyed by Hamas is very real. This is a massive rally last night in Dearborn, Michigan. For Hamas. For Hamas. Look at the size of this rally. For Hamas. I don't need to re- re- retell you the atrocities. We've been showing it all week. Look at the size of this rally. Look at all these people waving Palestinian flags and Hamas flags. This is in Dearborn, Michigan. Again, this is right here in the United States. We have uh, reporters already lamenting the death toll in Gaza. We all ought to lament the death toll in Gaza and every ounce of blood that is spilled in Gaza, every ounce of blood spilled in Gaza is the result of Hamas. Every single ounce, every ounce. But there's going to be an attempt. You can already see it starting in the media. It's moral equivalent, you see. When people break into your home and murder your children in front of you and then you go and you attempt to kill the people who did that and they hide behind their children, that is, that, that's a moral equivalent. You attempting to protect your children and them killing your children and then hiding behind their own to protect themselves. Moral equivalence. That is the direction this is going. You can hear how um, some Israelis are rather unsympathetic to this point of view. An Israeli mom whose kids were taken by Hamas was uh, was pressed on this by by Andrea Mitchell. And I got to say, this is this is just astonishing sort of stuff from MSNBC. What are your feelings about the 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 attacks against Gaza right now? Um, how can I must the government... say that, look, you're looking for for a symmetrical situation, and I must say, it isn't. Um, if you were dealing with a, a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages. I'm sorry, it's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in. Every time we had missiles. Uh, shot at us. I used to say to my children that they should be sympathetic towards the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than they do. I'm not sure I still believe in it now. And I must say the only worry I have now from uh, the bombings in Gaza is the fact that my children are there. And I can't be sympathetic anymore. I can't be sympathetic to animal human beings. Well, they're not really human beings who came into my house, broke everything, stole everything, took my children from their bedrooms and took them to the Gaza Strip. Israel never done that and will never do. So there is no symmetry. I'm sorry. But but they want the symmetry. The media wants it. People on the left particularly are looking for the symmetry because, again, all cultures are created equal. This is this is the premise of so much left wing thought. Uh, a, a full scale moral idiot, Hassan Piker. Uh, he's an emissary of this. Yesterday, he was ranting and raving on his Twitch stream about this and suggesting, of course, why would you, that the only reason, the only reason that you might murder a Jewish baby is because obviously years of victimization. That's, that's clearly the problem. Israel, it, Israel's skirt was too short, you see. That's why you walk into a village and you rape women and, and drag them back to the Gaza Strip. That's why you do this. There's a moral, moral exemplar, Hassan Piker. They didn't deserve it, you f- idiot my goal is solutions your goal is the continuation of violence you want way more than 260 people dying you want every single palestinian to be executed ruthlessly in the streets so that you can build another theme park in gaza you baying pig you 
bloodthirsty, violent pig dog. Suck my d How do you think this happens? You think it happens out of nowhere? You think these people are just like, oh, we were violent because we want to be violent. You think that's where violence culminates from? Or do you think it's because you have entrapped them, you have bullied them, you have subjugated them, you have humiliated these people. Two million people live inside of Gaza. I, they're not even people in the eyes of Israel. So uh, that's that's presumably, according to Hassan Piker, why you would murder a baby. That's why you that's why you would murder a baby and burn entire families in their homes in peaceful villages. That's why you that's why you would do that. Um, now, I'm going to attribute this to, again, the peculiar narcissism of people like Hassan Piker believes that everybody thinks like they do. And I, I, I would ask people like Hassan Piker, OK, if that's the case, if you really believe that victimization is what causes people to murder babies in their beds for the crime of being Jewish and breathing, then uh, what would cause you to do something like that? Is there any level of victimization you could undergo that would cause you to do something like that? Because I, I don't I don't think so, actually. I think highly enough, even of, of people who I think are, are intellectual cretins like uh, like Hassan Piker, that I don't actually think that, that he thinks that there's nothing that could make him do something like that. I'll give him at least that much credit. But the peculiar narcissism that drives you to believe that everybody thinks like you do. And then to immediately jump to Israel is attempting to wipe out. The, Israel has not had a presence in the Gaza Strip since 2005. Since 2005. The last thing Israel wants to do is send its own sons and daughters into the streets of Gaza. That's the last thing they want to do. I know many of the people who are going to be going into Gaza. I know some of the people who undoubtedly will die in Gaza trying to protect their brothers and sisters in Israel. You think they want to be there? They tried to hand the entire Gaza Strip to Egypt. You know what Egypt said? Hell no, we don't want any piece of it. This belief that, that Israel is land hungry for Gaza is the most bizarre piece of propagandistic trash and ignorance I've ever heard. It's, it's so bizarre and strange. That's what this is really all about, according to, and again, I can, I can attribute to one of two things. Either, either, there are only two possible reasons. Ignorance or you hate Jews. Those are the only two possible reasons. So I'll attribute to ignorance. Speaking of ignorance and hating Jews crossing streams, Black Lives Matter, which uh, I remember a lot of people were, were strangely perturbed when Black Lives Matter in its earliest iterations had a bunch of statements on its website in support of the Palestinians and against Israel. And they're like, what does that have to do with Black Lives Matter? The answer is the intersectional anti-Western coalition that suggests that freedoms and liberties are essentially a tool of, of a white supremacist patriarchy. They cross streams. They cross streams in taking on institutions and values of the West. Black Lives Matter put out a graphic yesterday that said, I stand with Palestine. And it is a picture of a person in a hang glider with a Palestinian flag on top. Now, are, are Palestinians famous for their hang gliding? Is that a cultural thing? You know, just big on hang gliding? Or is the reason they're using the hang glider in this, in this graphic? Because Palestinian terrorists, Hamas terrorists, took hang gliders to an EDM festival and murdered 260 people gunned them down, murdered them in cold blood, and BLM supports that. That's what that graphic is. They literally put on the graphic a terrorist in a hang glider, and they said, I stand with Palestine. So first of all, for all the people who are claiming that the Palestinians don't support this sort of stuff, I feel like you think they do. I mean, that's a, if, why would standing with Palestine entail standing with Hamas? I'm just confused. I don't think it has to, but I've noticed an enormous number of cross streams here from you guys. 
And then they put out a statement, perfectly egregious as usual, for Black Lives Matter and for all you fools who gave them money under the auspices of you were trying to help. You were just trying to help because you're ignorant and stupid. You gave them money and you marched with them, believing that they were on your side, on the side of broader human rights and liberalism. And it turns out they're just intersectional trash, the Black Lives Matter organization. They put out a statement, Black Lives Matter grassroots stands in solidarity with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid. Well, I just would like to point out at this point, the 57 years of settler colonialism and uh, apartheid, supposedly, which includes 20% again of Israel is Arab. I, I, I would just like to point out at this point, look at that number, 57. The state of Israel is not 57 years old. The number 57 is related to the 1967 war. You know where these villages were not, inside Judea and Samaria, the so-called occupied territories. They were outside there, but it's all the same then, doesn't matter. As black people continue to fight to end militarism and mass incarceration in our own communities, let us understand the resistance in Palestine as an attempt to tear open the gates of the world's largest open-air prison. As radical black organization grounded in abolitionist ideals, we see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people. Man, America better hope that's not true. Uh, that, that is um, astonishing stuff there. We too understand what it means to be surveilled, dehumanized, property seized, family separated, our people criminalized and slaughtered with impunity, locked up in droves. When we resist, they call us terrorists. We too dream of a world where our people may live freely on decolonized land. This is what decolonization means, by the way. It means murdering babies in their, in their, in their homes. It means raping women. It means burning entire families alive and then filming it and putting it online. That's what decolonization means. They say it, not me. They say it. They say it. So either, again, this is ignorance. Or are you asking to be lumped in with the people who you're lumping yourself in with? Because if so, that says some things. That says some pretty awful and terrible things. Now, this, this, so on the left, a lot of this boils down to this sort of bizarre decolonization narrative whereby murdering Jews is fine because Jews are white people. And because Jews are white people, by the way, most Jews in Israel are not. They're actually brown. They're Sephardi. But put that aside. Because the Jews are supposedly white people, this means that it's an act of decolonial resistance to murder Jews wherever they are in the state of Israel. That seems to be the, the line from, uh, from so many people on the left these days. The elected student president of the NYU Law School Bar Association sent out a message, for example, refusing to condemn Hamas's mass slaughter and cheerleading it. Quote, Israel bears full responsibility for this tremendous loss of life. This regime of state-sanctioned violence creates the conditions that made resistance necessary. Oh, you see, it's all a territorial dispute, guys. It's all a territorial dispute. If only Israel had just, you know, conceded the Gaza Strip and gotten out in 2005, which they did. If only they had done that, clearly peace would have been on the horizon. It's all the Israelis' fault that, um, that Jews were murdered by the most vicious anti-Semites uh, of our era. Uh, I, I will say that uh, there is a great irony to this, this person who was the NYU Law School Bar Association president, lost her her job at, uh, she was going to come out and, and work at a big law firm to work for a big corporation, big corporate law firm. And uh, they preemptively fired her. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of cancel culture generally, but I've said before that there is an Overton window. It seems to me that when you openly support a terrorist group murdering babies and raping women, at that point, I feel like, a, I, I feel at that point as though you probably don't have to be hired by the law firm. Call it, call, call me crazy, call it, call it whatever you want. Once you start supporting the murder of, of babies, I feel like at that point, Fair game for you to lose your job. That seems like that one is pretty obvious. Meanwhile, campuses are plotting a day of resistance in support of Hamas. This would be the students for justice in Palestine. They are not for justice. Many of them are not students. And uh, Palestine is, as a state does not exist specifically because the Palestinian leadership, the PA, Islamic Jihad, and Hamas have rejected every single peace deal ever offered to them in the history, in the history of this entire conflict. 
So they're putting out a um, presence on college campuses across the country. By the way, I'm I'm noticing that all the microaggression folks, all the folks who are saying, you know, it really is offensive and microaggression for you to use the wrong pronoun. It's a microaggression for for, for you to, to say things like I'm colorblind. All those same people are peculiarly silent when it comes to mass rallies across the United States on college campuses in support of a terrorist group. Suddenly they look at all the microaggression crowd, they're silent, just quiet. Very weird, very weird. Our people chose resistance over negotiated cages on our homeland, the group states in a day of resistance toolkit. Fearlessly, our people struggle for complete liberation and return. Quote, national liberation is near. Glory to our resistance, to our martyrs and to our steadfast people. This is according to Students for Justice in Palestine. We have an unshakable responsibility to join the call for mass mobilization. By the way, this is nothing new. I mean, when I was at UCLA, there was, an, there was a student newspaper that was put up by the Muslim Student Association. It was called Al-Talib. And just before, like the issue before 9-11, they literally joked about changing the name of the magazine to Al-Taliban. And they attempted to put out publications that acted as fundraisers for terror groups. So this is nothing new. Meanwhile, Left-wingers who uh, undoubtedly would be thrown from buildings where they're actually living in the Gaza Strip. I'm, one, of, one of my favorite uh, elements of the left is the intersectional coalition that calls, calls themselves things like Queers for Palestine, which, um, quick, quick note of irony. If you are a queer person in Palestine, you are dead. That is how that works. They throw you off a f-ing building. But, uh, but, no, but I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you guys have your intersectional coalition of, of cute terror support. A labor union championed by Bernie Sanders and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other liberals expressed solidarity with Hamas terrorists. According to the Washington Free Beacon, Starbucks Workers Unified, an affiliate of the Service Employees International Union, expressed solidarity with Palestine and deleted social media posts. Union chapters in Iowa, Chicago, and Boston promoted rallies in support of Palestinian attacks, including a long-lived Palestinian resistance rally to be held in Boston on Monday. That Starbucks union represents 9,000 baristas and it joins other American liberal groups inciting with Palestinians over their Israeli targets. The DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, which counts six House Democrats as members, held rallies in several American cities calling for support for the Palestinians. The original organizer of the union, Jazz Brissak, has praised Palestinian terrorist Razmiya Odeh as a freedom fighter and has chanted, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. And in the middle of this, tweeted, quote, there's no two sides to apartheid, free Palestine. Meanwhile, One individual union member, Kyle, of the Starbucks Workers United, freeing Palestine was never going to be flowers and baby animals. What the f*** did you expect? That is is what, this is what the the left thinks. This is what the left thinks. And then there are the pseudo-sophisticates on the right. So let me first say, right up front, America does not have coincident interests with Israel always. They're two separate countries. They're sovereign countries. Israel sometimes wants to do things that are not in America's interest. And America frequently wants to do things that are not in Israel's interest. Like, for example, cut deals with Iranian terrorists, terror regimes. That sort of stuff happens all the time because sovereign countries are sovereign. Also worth noting, you can be a realist on foreign policy without being immoral. There's a segment of the Republican Party that has basically decided that if the, if the bad idea in foreign policy for years was there's a moral conflict, let's jump in, then the reverse of that, and what we need is there's a moral conflict, let's butt out, take no sides, downplay. Now, there is a happy medium. The happy medium is sometimes it actually is in America's interest to back people who are fighting, you know, monstrous terrorists who behead babies. Sometimes that is in America's interest, actually. Not always. There are times where you can make the case that America should not sacrifice blood and treasure even for a moral good. You can make that case. But being a realist does not mean being a foolhardy isolationist who is somehow morally puzzled by all of this. 
And this is some of the stuff that I'm seeing on the right. Let me make clear. Israel has not called on the United States to attack Iran. No one wants a full-scale war with Iran, including Israel. Because you know how many Jews would die in a full-scale war with Iran? A lot. No one wants that. Iran has used Hamas as a proxy here. And even then, Israel is not striking Iran, you may have noticed. Nor is Israel calling on the United States to strike Iran. And yet, there's been this attempt by some on the pseudo-sophisticate right to say, well, you know, no blood and treasure. What? Who's called for blood and treasure exactly? Who? I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering. Dissuading Hezbollah from attacking the north of Israel is an attempt to prevent regional and then global warfare. That's what it is. If Hezbollah gets in, let me explain this to you in small, short sentences so you understand. Hezbollah is a terror group. Hezbollah is backed by Iran. Hezbollah has 150,000 rockets pointed at the north of Israel. If Hezbollah attacks Israel with those rockets, Israel will be stretched to the breaking point. If Israel is stretched to the breaking point, it is not going to worry about the niceties of war. It is going to eviscerate the entire southern border of Lebanon. If Israel eviscerates the entire southern border of Lebanon and also has to then hit all the supply chain roads into the southern border of Lebanon, Syria will get involved. If Syria gets involved, Israel will have to hit bases in Syria. If bases in Syria get hit, Iran will get involved and Iran will drag in its cli- its, pro- its its client state or its or its its sponsor state Russia. Remember, Iran is a is a is a state that is joined with Russia. Russia basically runs Syria at this point, and Russia is already signaling support for all of this. So, if you wish to prevent this cascading into a war into which the United States inevitably will be drawn, you know it'd be good, like some threats. You know it'd be good arming Israel to the teeth so they can actually prevent this from escalating into a broader regional war. If, if the idea in the war in Ukraine is that most of the goals have been achieved, Ukraine has been protected, Kiev is not going to fall, but the end goal is not clear. The end goal is pretty f-ing clear right now for Israel. Depose Hamas, control the violence in the Gaza Strip. That's the end goal. That's the only end goal. Providing support necessary to do that seems pretty contained and pretty doable. And yet you're seeing this kind of knee-jerk anti-morality on the part of some on the right because you have to stroke your chin and pretend that it's a sophisticated perspective to take a a sort of morally ambiguous view of all this. I'm seeing this from some people who I like, people whose work I've enjoyed in the past. And I got to say, it's either ignorance about foreign policy or cowardice or something darker and worse. So to take an example of just morally moral ambiguity for no reason at all, Jason Whitlock, for some odd reason, who, again, I, I like Jason, I know Jason, I, I like a lot of his work. Jason has decided that it's important to sound off to me generally and say, well, you know what? You have to understand why people are why people are, are not so exercised about, about babies being killed in their beds, in their room. I mean, after all, there have been a lot of there have been a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Yeah, I know. What's the conspiracy theory to which you are referring right now that people should give credence? What is it? Seriously, like spell it out for me. I'd like you to spell it out. What is the conspiracy theory that leads people to somehow draw a morally ambiguous line here. Explain it to me in short words. We've been fed so much bad information about historic events that we have a, what what the theme of today's show is, we're conspiracy weary. We're conspiracy leery. You got the thing I thought about watching Ben Shapiro get upset with Andrew Tate and others as I've watched Ben's Twitter feed. And he seemed he's very outraged and justifiably so. But he seems very upset that everybody doesn't have the same level of outrage. 
the same level of emotion about this event that he does. I've seen a lot of this where people are policing other people's thoughts and emotions about what's going on in Israel between Israel and Hamas, Israel and Iran, Israel and Palestinians. People are, hey, this is how you should feel. And we're getting all these images of the atrocities that happen in Israel. And everybody's commenting, how can you not be outraged? And this is the face of evil. And, and there's a lot of stomping of feet of like, this is it. This is the end all be all. And, and everybody must feel the exact same way that I do about this situation. I don't even know what he's attempting to say here. You can pause there. You don't have to feel the exact same way that I do, but I would recommend that you at least acknowledge that this is, in fact, the face of evil. That seems like a pretty baseline, decent thing to do. It seems like pretty, pretty baseline. He references there a, a bit of a Twitter spat that I got into with, with Andrew Tate. So Andrew Tate, um, he tweeted out in the middle of all this, there is, no, there is but one certainty in this mess. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Is that really the, the one sure certainty? Uh, that, that's, that's an interesting certainty that, that comes out. Literally, he tweeted that in the middle of all of this while the, while the invasion was going on. And, uh, and then he says, the free thinkers on the American right are screaming for genocide without giving questions as to how Mossad could fail on such a monumental level, a fraction of thought ushered into another psyop. They all cooked for COVID just the same. I see, it must've been that Israel brought on itself and actually wanted this to happen. That's, that's, really, that's really what this is. Okay, so he responded to a tweet that I sent. In the middle of all of this, the UN Special Rapporteur for Human Rights in Palestine said, we are horrified by what is happening and we call for a truce. Okay, they called for a truce, by the way, like the day after the massacre, which is absurd. It's absurd. And so I tweeted, they can f*** right off because that's exactly right. It turns out that when people murder your kids, you have no obligation to call a truce. In fact, you have a moral obligation not to call a truce. This drove Andrew Tate who is, a, who is a, a very important person because he flexes his muscles a lot and doesn't wear shirts and does a lot of curls. The height of human moral and uh, intellectual achievement is, of course, that you used to punch people in the face, you do curls now, and, um, and you openly bragged about trafficking women on webcams. That is, that, that is we ought to take you incredibly seriously as a, as a tough guy because of that. Very, very tough. He wrote, Mr. Tough Guy, let me assure you as someone who does his own fighting, as opposed to excitedly encouraging others to do it for him while sitting at home on a comfy chair, peace is always worth a conversation. And I wrote back to him, let me assure you, as someone who has not pimped women and bragged about it, that morality requires that those who rape women and kidnap children must be eradicated, not negotiated with. Again, this is a pseudo-sophisticated bullshit nonsense. I'm sorry. This is, it, what else would you call it when you have terrorists murder kids in their beds, for God's sake, and your immediate response is, well, peace is always worth a conversation. Again, either you're ignorant or you don't give a shit. Those are the only two. There's no third option. And don't give a includes you don't like Jews. That's what's in that conversation. And sad to say, but this kind of pseudo sophisticate point of view has also been mirrored by Tucker Carlson. So Tucker sets up straw men and then burns them to the ground. So he played a clip of Nikki Haley. Nikki was talking, presidential candidate Nikki Haley. She was talking about how Israel has every duty to eviscerate Hamas. She has not called for an invasion of Iran. She has called for removing $6 billion in funding that America has cleared for Iran. She has called for more sanctions on Iran. She has not called for a ground invasion or American troops to be used against Iran. But watch as Tucker spins this into, well, the only reasonable point of view is to basically go hands off on this whole thing, even morally. Yeah, sure, it's bad. But is it is it as bad as like things happening in the United States? So here, here is uh, Tucker finding the morally ambiguous line here somehow. This is not just an attack on Israel. This is an attack on America because they hate us just as much. And what we have to understand is 
This is the reason that we have to unite around making sure our enemies do not hurt our friends. America can never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends, just like we needed them on 9-11. That's why Ukraine needs us when Russia's doing this. That's why Israel needs us when Hamas and Iran are doing this. And I'll say this to, to Prime Minister Netanyahu, finish them finish them. Hamas did this. You know Iran's behind it. Finish them. They should have hell to pay for what they've just done. This was an attack on America, she says, when in fact it was not. And for that reason, we must, quote, finish Iran, a nation of nearly 90 million people. What are we that watching quote. here? This is not so That's a paraphrase, a wrong paraphrase. She's a child, and this is the tantrum of a child. Ignorant, cocksure, bloodthirsty. Yet no one in Washington scolded her for Nikki it. Haley. In fact, they aped her hysteria. They aped her. It's hysteria now. All she said is that Netanyahu should finish off Hamas. And he calls that bloodthirsty. Propagandistic nonsense here from Tucker. He's better than this. And it's pathetic that he that he engaged in this sort of nonsense. Truly, truly. He's a smart person. And either he thinks you're stupid or he's engaging in stupidity. I don't know which it is. And Tucker, by the way, then continued along these lines. He did an interview with Vivek Ramaswamy. And he likened what just happened in Israel, the the kidnapping of women and their rape. I mean, he's showing video of this happening. Like as he's talking about this, he compared that to drug overdose deaths in the United States. Now, I, I believe we should fully care about the 100,000 drug overdose deaths that happened in the United States. These are two completely different issues. To, to go this far afield to link the issues, you're, the only reason you're doing this is because you wish to downplay the atrocity that just happened in Israel. You're not upplaying the atrocity of what's happening on America's streets. Those are two different types of atrocities. People who are addicted to fentanyl, sticking needles in their arms and overdosing is a is a is a moral blight. It is a moral atrocity and a moral evil for people to kidnap women, rape them and drag them back to the Gaza border. Those are not the same thing. And Tucker knows that. But this is a cheap way of, of telling you not to look. Don't look. Stop caring. Because after all, what does it matter? What does it matter? Now, again, I, I don't know who thinks that that's a sophisticated point of view, especially when nobody is calling for America to go to war with Iran. The entire purpose of having an aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean is to, is to avoid that. But here, here is Tucker playing. I don't even know the game he's playing. This is just a dumb, it's a dumb game. But you don't have to look far in the United States for moral outrages also on video. And there's not a city in this country, not just the big cities, but cities of 10,000 people. I was in one yesterday. that doesn't have some constellation of drug addicted young people living outside. We call them the homeless. They're drug addicts. And they're addicted to drugs that were imported across an What does that border, have to do with the price of tea in China? I don't understand. More than 100,000 a year. Now, you could call it genocide. You can call it whatever you want, but it's the death of over 100,000 Americans a year and the living death of millions of Well, you can't more. call it genocide. It's not outside. genocide. So sure. I, I don't understand. Sorry, people who are addicted are to drugs and living outside. Israel. And again, I, I want to add my voice to that because I'm a human being. But oh, sure you do. The you sound very outraged. The outrage among Republican presidential candidates was so much more intense. One of them took to a bullhorn and started yelling about it. I get it. But no one would think to do that about the yeah. 100,000 American young people murdered every year. And they because who are you yelling at? Who are you yelling at? First of all, people are on bullhorns yelling about drug overdoses and the open border all the time. All the time. What is he even talking about? What he's attempting to do is minimize what happened in Israel. He's not attempting to maximize what happened in the United States. He's attempting to minimize as though America can't walk and chew gum, morally speaking, at the same time, which is absurd. And those two things are nothing alike. I'm sorry, that is not alike. It is not alike. 
for drug smugglers to smuggle drugs over the border, which someone then takes and shoves into their arm and then they dive in overdose. That is not the same thing. I promise you, it is not the same thing as a terrorist breaking into your home and murdering your children in their beds in front of you and dragging your wife off to be raped in Gaza. That is not the same thing. Pretending that it is, is a moral, it's a moral blight. It's idiocy. It's just moral stupidity at the highest level. Of course, we should care about what happens with fentanyl. Of course, we should care about, we should close our border. Have I been unclear about this? Of course, America should have closed borders when it comes to this sort of stuff. I'm on the same side as Tucker on that. I just don't understand why he's not on my side when it comes to Hamas has to be wiped off the face of the earth. What exactly is the counter argument? In any case, this sort of moral sophistication is predicated on, on only one of a few possible hypotheses. The most dark and and terrible is the possibility that people just don't give a damn when Jews get killed by terrorists. I'm not accusing Tucker of that. I'm not accusing Whitlock of that. In fact, I'm not even accusing the AOCs of the world of that. Although I think she's closer to the border considering the only tweet she has sent in this entire ridiculous situation is a tweet finding one Jew in New York saying a bad thing that the Israeli government does not even carry forth. That's the the only thing she's seen fit to tweet about this. Um, The... I'm not accusing all these people of that. What I am accusing them of is a moral blindness that must be caused by a complete flattening of the cultural landscape, a flat in which everybody thinks the same way that they that we do, and that every problem can be solved in the same way, and uh, and that it is it is of no consequence whether evil walks the earth because all problems are basically that's what realism truly is. Well, that that's not realistic. That's stupid. Those are not the same thing. Again, when it comes to policy questions about what should be done in the Middle East, that is a question of prudence. It's a question of pragmatism. It's a question of American interests, which, again, are not always identical with Israeli interests. When it comes to comparing the the Holocaust-level evil we just saw in Kfar Aza with people overdosing on the streets of Philadelphia, um, I I have some moral questions. I do. Now, as I said earlier on the show, if you're interested in helping out people who are in a massive need, in Israel, I recommend that you check out the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. They're on the ground right now providing critical essentials like food, medicine, and other emergency supplies for vulnerable Jews who need immediate help. The need is massive and urgent. This organization needs your help right now. To donate, please head on over to ifcj.org. Give as generously as you can. Write it down. That's ifcj.org. Go and give money and um, and give whatever help you feel is, is morally appropriate. Okay, so rare, rare turn of events. Joe Biden, he's been sending a few mixed signals. So the White House yesterday put out a statement suggesting that uh, Israel needs to engage proportionally with Hamas. I'm not sure what a proportion is. Like, what, what are we talking about? 100 to 1, 10 to 1, 1 to 1? How many dead, dead Hamas terrorists account for one dead, dead Jewish baby? I'm just wondering how that works. Proportionality is a mush word that means nothing in international relations. It's stupid. In fact, if you want to prevent further conflict, what you want is disproportionality. You know what's rather disproportionate? What's rather disproportionate is when Al-Qaeda took out 3,000 Americans on 9-11 and we took down two countries. You know, it's kind of disproportionate. Pearl Harbor killed several thousand Americans. And so we launched a a two-front world war against Japan and Germany. Disproportionate. Bad? No. No. It turns out that the best way to deal with people who are murdering you is to uh, disproportionately wipe them off the face of the earth. That is is actually the the best thing to do with people like uh, Hamas terrorists. Well, that was a stupid note put out by uh, Joe Biden yesterday. But Joe Biden then gave a press conference and he gave a speech. Now, he's gotten some flack on this speech from some people on the right because he did not mention Iran in the speech. Now, 
I actually understand, tactically speaking, why he's not mentioning Iran. The reason, presumably, there's, there's a good reason and a bad reason. The bad reason is because this administration continues to idiotically support a deal with Iran, which is impossible. Iran is run by the same kinds of people as Hamas. They, they, they continue to sponsor and subsidize them to the tune of billions of dollars. That's one reason why they're not mentioning Iran. The other reason is because if you mention Iran in this context, then presumably you're creating an incentive for Iran to escalate. I kind of hear that, but... The speech that Biden gave yesterday was in a rare, shocking example. Honestly, I was shocked by this. A speech that actually had some moral clarity to it. A lot of moral clarity, actually. So here was Joe Biden yesterday talking about the atrocities in Israel. You know, there are moments in this life, and I mean this literally, when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas, a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This was an act of sheer evil. He continued along these lines. He points out the uh, history of the, the Jewish people and the state of Israel. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. He then distinguishes the Hamas cause from the Palestinian cause, which, again, is perfectly fine and legitimate. And then he says that um, the that Israel basically has free reign to take the gloves off, do what it needs to do to stop the terrorism. Uh, here he was talking about this, this clip four. Like every nation in the world, Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with a third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu. And I told him, the United States experience with Israel experiencing, our response would be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. Um, well, that is exactly correct. And then he did, I think, the most important thing in the speech here was actually a policy, a policy thing. So he points out that America has strengthened its defense posture in the Middle East, which is important because, again, if you don't want a regional war, you do have to threaten one. You do have to say to Iran, listen, if you guys get in, this is not going to go how you think it's going to go because people take advantage of situations. And here was Biden. Again, credit to the president for saying this. The United States has also enhanced our military force posture in the region to strengthen our deterrence. The Department of Defense has moved the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the Eastern Mediterranean and bolstered our fighter aircraft presence. And we stand ready to move in additional assets as needed. Let me say again to any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. Don't. That's, um, that is right. That is not interventionist, by the way. That is the, the, that is the opposite. Interventionists would be going and striking Iran right now. That is not what he's talking about. He is saying, guys, stay out. This is a contained conflict. Let it remain a contained conflict. 
that Israel has to win. Existentially, by the way, Israel does have to win this conflict. If, if it does not, then the, the sense of military superiority that has allowed a tiny state of 9 million people, 7 million Jews to survive in the most hostile region on earth, historically, that perception of military superiority is Israel's asset. That has been punctured by what just happened with Hamas. Israel has to restore that. And they have to restore it in spades right now by destroying Hamas wholesale. Well, the, unfortunately, the Democratic Party is, is also plagued by a, um, a bunch of Hamas caucus members, Rashida Tlaib leading among them. Here's a video of Rashida Tlaib yesterday. She was asked about, did she have any comments on Hamas's human atrocities, including the beheading of babies? And uh, she literally just keeps on walking because why wouldn't she? By the way, the easiest thing to do in the world here is to say Hamas committed acts of evil. Their cause is not the Palestinian cause. Easiest thing in the world, but she won't say that. She won't say that. I wonder why. Terrorists have um, cut off babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against the brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas. She's going to keep on walking. She's asked 10 separate times. Just keeps on walking. Congressman, why do you have the Palestinian? Outside your office, if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel. Again, the easiest thing for her to do right there is to say, like, that last question is the easiest one for her. She just says, I don't back what Hamas did, but I back the Palestinian self determination. She can't even say that, which leads to some questions. What exactly is it that she backs? Well, the, uh, the White House, for the first time, actually came out and condemned. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib yesterday. Karine Jean-Pierre, who must have been shocked at the message coming down from the top, from the top level here. Uh, they ripped into Omar and Tlaib for their lack of morality here. What is the president's message to members of Congress who seem to be equating the Hamas terror attack with actions that were previously taken by Israel? Look, here's the thing, and which 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 congressional members? Well, there have been some members of Congress who have called for a ceasefire, and they have not gone as far as uh, backing the administration's call for support for Israel. So look, uh, I've seen some of those statements this weekend, uh, and we're going to continue to be very clear. We believe they're wrong. Uh, we believe they're repugnant, and we believe they're disgraceful. Uh, our, our condemnation belongs squarely with terrorists who have brutally murdered, raped, kidnapped hundreds, hundreds of Israelis. Uh, there can be no equivocation about that. There are not two sides here. There are not two sides. So um, that um, good, good for them for saying that. Now, uh, maybe you ought to think about whether those people ought to remain members of your caucus. There's a lot of talk all the time about Republicans expelling certain members of the caucus. Seems like you probably shouldn't promote them as the squad and then have them on the cover of magazines with uh, with Nancy Pelosi. Seems like that might be a good start. And meanwhile, I just want to conclude with a few stories from from Israel here because I'm getting updates, as I say, by the minute from friends in in Israel who are living there, speaking with you know dozens of people a day uh, from a wide variety of perspectives in Israel. But there is extraordinary unity in the state of Israel. This is just one example. One of the people who was murdered at this uh, electronic dance music festival uh, was a Brazilian Israeli woman. And a call went out. She was there by herself. A call went out for people to come to her funeral. They were trying to get 10 men because in Jewish law, 10 men allows you to pray with a so-called minyan and say certain special prayers. Her only family in Israel was her mom and her sister. They called for 10 men to show up. And here's what showed up. Thousands of people 
thousands of people showed up. The same thing happened. There's a, a lone soldier, meaning a, a, a Jewish American who had gone and, and joined the Israeli military and, uh, and who was killed in Israel. Lines miles long formed to get to the, to the funeral. This is a, a pretty extraordinary video of Bedouin. These are Muslim IDF soldiers who are members of the Israeli army fighting for Israel, singing in Arabic as they approach the front lines. They, by the way, have to wear masks. And one of the reasons they have to wear masks, unlike the other Israeli soldiers, uh, is because uh, if they are identified by, by Hamas and their allies, uh, then they will be treated even worse than Israeli Jews would be if they were captured or, or, um, uh, or trapped by, by Hamas members because uh, they are seen as traitors for defending the state of Israel. I got a note that I, I wanted to conclude with here from um, a friend of mine in Jerusalem. Uh, her husband is a rabbi in Jerusalem. She wrote me this. Did I tell you about the wedding my husband formed on Sunday? So remember, the attacks were still ongoing as of Saturday night. Sunday evening, we traveled up north on relatively empty roads, passing many roadblocks, police cars, and army trucks along the way. So my husband could perform a wedding for a couple who was supposed to get married a few days later. The chatan, that's the groom, called up and he told them he was supposed to have a wedding in two days. The commander gave him another day, but couldn't give him more. They wanted to get married before he left for war. They called my husband. He immediately agreed. Friends of the family heard the wedding had to be moved up, so they kindly opened their home to allow the couple to get married on their roof. It was a small, intimate ceremony, just family and close friends. Super bittersweet. Very moving. There are men who are being called up right now from their families. Remember, the front lines in Israel are essentially where people live. I mean, there is, there is no distance. It's not like the United States where people get called up and then they get shipped off to some foreign country. In Israel, when you get called up, you're serving a couple miles from where you live. You're leaving your family at home knowing full well that they're more vulnerable because you're not home and you're, they're going to serve. And, and people, are, are, people are coming together in extraordinary ways in the state of Israel because that's what social fabric is all about. The West needs to come together in that same way. America came together that way after 9-11 for a very brief moment in time. But America came together for a brief moment in time because we are very, very secure in the United States. Thank God, America is the most secure, blessed by God in an extraordinary variety of ways, including our geography. We are bordered on the north by Canadians, the south by Mexicans, and the other two sides by ocean. That's it. It's an extraordinarily lucky geography, plus we're an enormous country. And so we're very, very lucky. But that very luck allows us to be morally foolhardy. It allows us not to look evil in the face and to pretend that everybody thinks the way we do because the consequence of that sort of thought rarely arrive at our front door. That is not the case with many of our allies and many people living around the world. And as the forces of evil gain strength and coordinate, it is incumbent on any person who has any shred of moral decency to at least recognize the, the evil that they are staring down and to recognize on a broad policy level that negotiation with evil is not a strategy, it's surrender. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. 
If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today. While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 